Brother Matt, really, from Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and then Resurrection Sunday, for me, represents the pinnacle of preaching. I am in love with that whole Holy Week Lenten resurrection motif and narrative. As we're recording this episode of Monday Morning Preacher, we are about five weeks out from Easter Sunday, 2021, the uh, East, second Easter in a global pandemic. Sometimes it's really challenging preaching on Easter, and it's a, perhaps for some preachers going to be especially challenging this year, and that's why I'm really excited we have our guest today, Bishop Tim Clark, who's the senior pastor of the First Church of God in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, bishop over the Berean Fellowship of Churches, the presiding bishops. Uh, bishop Tim, it is so great to have you on this podcast. Well, Matt, it's a joy to be on with you. I cannot tell you how excited. I think when we were emailing each other, I text, I am so geeked to be on. I know that's an old word, shows you how old I am. <laughs> well, let's be geeks. Let's both be geeks for the Lord. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bishop Tim, I've really been looking forward to this because uh, I just have been so excited and so delighted to get to know you through our mutual friend, Reverend Lawrence Aker III out in Brooklyn. Um, so I'm just so glad he connected the two of us. Yes, sir. I owe a debt to him. Uh, he is one of the finest men I know, tremendous pastor and preacher, uh, great personality. And uh, in fact, the way that we started our connection is I heard your interview with him because I follow Monday Morning Preacher on, on my own podcast and listen to it on my phone. And so I just text him to say, man, great job. And he said, oh, I got to let Matt know that you listen and y'all have to meet each other. <laughs> so that's how it happened. And here we are. This is great. Here we are. Here we are. Yes. <laughs> so I got an easy question for you to start with. I'm going to throw you a softball. Okay. Here you yes, go. Yes, sir. How many Easter sermons have you preached in your pastoral wow. career? Wow. If the Lord lets me live um, to April uh, for 2021, I will have preached 43 wow. Easter resurrection messages. Wow. That doesn't include the fact that many of those years we do multiple services, but 43 years, either one or three, every resurrection morning. Okay, so you are preaching today's resident Easter preaching scholar <laughs> of the year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going to put, I'm going to have cards made up that say that. <laughs> so, well, I'm not sure what you're going to say, but it, it's going to be good. I know it. It's learned in the, in the trenches, in the pastoral trenches. So uh, you told me, you also told me that Easter is your favorite Sunday out of the year to preach. So uh, why? Well, actually it's the whole of, of the Lenten season and then Holy Week, mm. and then more specifically Resurrection Sunday. But Brother Matt, really, from Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, mm. and then Resurrection Sunday, for me, represents the pinnacle of preaching. 
Mm. And, and the reason is I am in love with that whole Holy Week Lenten mm. resurrection motif mm. and narrative. Yeah. It is at the heart of what we believe as Christians. As powerful as Advent is, the birth of Christ. Right. It's always been my theory, my thesis, that if Christ had only been born, mm. that would have been wonderful, but it would not have secured our salvation. Mm. It was his passion. It was his suffering. It was his death and ultimately his resurrection that secures salvation for us. So I'm in love with the whole narrative, the whole idea, the whole concept of what that week and then that day represents. Amen. That That is exciting. That's exactly the way I view it, exactly the way we view it at our church here at Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton. So, Bishop, I'm going to get back to you. We'll get back to the topic of Easter preaching, but I just want to go on a little bit of a rabbit trail here because I know you're in contact with a lot of younger preachers and I would say middle-aged preachers, you know, and you're you're mentoring and you're pouring into their lives and you you love these younger preachers and you have a pastoral heart. And so as you're coaching and mentoring these younger preachers, what would you say is the biggest lesson or theme that you come to in, in their ongoing growth as preachers? I think there are several, and so I'll try to hit them very, very quickly. Sure. I think the very first one is finding their own voice. Hmm. Being able, I've been using a phrase for about six years now that came to me while I was in, I think, Houston, getting ready to do a leaders conference. And as you do, I was praying about my presentation, the lectures that I would give. And a phrase came to my mind as I asked the Lord to bless it and my efforts. And the thought came, I almost said it spontaneously. I said, Lord, help me this morning to be authentically anointed. I had never used that phrase. It mm. just came mm. to me. Authentically anointed. Authentically I like anointed. That. I like that. Because, because I think we strive for the anointing, the performance, the doing, but we miss the authenticity yeah. which flows out of our being. And our doing is, Brother Matt, directly tied to our being. And if our being is not anchored, then our doing is suspect. Wow. Whoa. That's, can you say that again? That's worth it. If our being is not anchored, then our doing is suspect. Because I am made, you've heard this phrase, it's not unique or new to me. I was created a human being so that I could be a human doing. And yeah. it's biblical. Ephesians 2, Paul says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is salvation, the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Then the next verse, for we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus 
to do good works, which God ordained that we should walk in them even before time itself. So it starts with my being and that authenticates and authorizes my doing. Okay, so I'm going to have... Kelsey, our producer on this podcast, and I, let's put a note down, Kelsey. We need to get the bishop back for another podcast on this topic, okay? Bless you, man. We already got you on the list. Yes, sir. I am yours whenever you call. (laughs) Kelsey says in the chat, yes, with all capital letters. Okay, so we're going to do that. Bishop, sometimes our... uh, the, the uh, people that listen to our podcast and our members of Preaching Today site, they like to hear preaching f- failure stories, you know, because they, they, it makes them feel like, oh, man, maybe I'm not so bad. And yes, so sir. I'm wondering, a person of your stature and your gravitas, you know, have you ever had an Easter sermon that didn't go that well or maybe bombed? At least oh, okay. wasn't your favorite. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Two come to mind, and I wish they didn't. (laughs) And both of them center around, Brother Matt, doing too much prior Mm. to Easter. One of them, I conducted a Holy Week revival at a church here in our city from Monday through Thursday, and then Friday, we did a joint seven sayings of Christ from the cross service. So I preached Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Sunday morning, Brother Matt, I was too pooped to pop. (laughs) (laughs) And I got up, now in the black church, uh, I'm sure our brother, Brother Lawrence, has told you this. In the black church, there's a thing called call and respond. Oh, yeah. Where the preacher preaches and the folk respond. So I'm up preaching. This is so funny. I'm up preaching, and this sermon is going nowhere. Okay. (laughs) It is going nowhere, and it's going there very fast. <laughs> and you could hear blessed quietness oh, in, that, no. in that building. And all of a sudden, one of the deacons, the late deacon, Ida Mae Kelly, was sitting on the front row, and all I could hear her say was, mm, help him, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Matt, let me tell you, in the black church, that those are the last rites for a sermon. <laughs> when one of the mothers of the church says, mm, help him, Lord, find the exit. Uh, Dr. Sandy Frederick Ray, who was um, Lawrence Aker, uh, he was the pastor before Dr. Harry Wright at Cornerstone. Yes. Dr. Ray said he always preached like he drove on the New York freeway. He said, I always stay in the right lane and I get off at my exit. <laughs> and when a when a mother of the church says, mm, help him, Lord, find your exit. <laughs> Land your plane and get off. So that, that was one. Then there was one. I did a Holy Week revival in St. Louis, came home tired, and it seemed like that sermon lasted three hours. Oh. It was, 
it was painful to me and I was preaching it. Uh, so I know it was painful to the people who had to endure it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I've had a couple of them. Phenomenal. I call them phenomenal flunks. Uh, phenomenal flunks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, when you just flunk, you flunk out. <laughs> uh, you might have got an A the rest of the year, but you got an F on that sermon. Huh? Ooh, and you don't want to get an F on resurrection. Sunday. No, you don't. You don't. So, Bishop Tim, I see, I, you know, it kind of leads right into the next question, which is a preacher's soul and Easter preaching. How do you stay fresh and alive as you prepare your Easter, uh, Easter sermon? What have you learned in the process? Obviously, don't do a revival the week of right. the but anything else that you've learned? Yeah, I'll tell you, but Matt, and I'm sure you've learned this at Resurrection. A lot of times young preachers will say to me, but many of my contemporaries will say to me, I'll talk to them Wednesday or Thursday of Holy Week. And I say, man, how's it going? How's the preaching going? You ready for Sunday? And they'll say, yeah, I'm about ready as I'm going to be. And then they'll make this statement or this question they'll raise. Yeah. How many ways can you say he got up? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and I used to say, yeah, I understand. But you know what I say now? I say to them, why do you have to say it a new way? Huh. That's still great news. That's the best news of all. Clear your throat. Open your mouth and say, Amen. Got up. There's nothing else to say. I think we put undue pressure on ourselves to be novel, to be unique, to be overly fresh and current and contemporary. When what we ought to do, but Matt, is reach back to the ancient and the familiar, ask God to breathe on it and say it again. And I have no any sense of dereliction of duty to say it again. In fact, I look forward to whatever Sunday in April or March Easter falls on so I can say he got up. I love that. That is so good. You know, I hear that more and more from more mature preachers, you know, like you. So, we're a little different this year. We're still in a pandemic, and this is the second one. It's yeah. we're seeing some good news. We're vaccines are rolling out. Things are hopefully looking a little better. Some people say by this summer. Some people say by maybe Christmas. But whatever, things are looking a little better. But we're still in the pandemic, and so is there any special? angle that you're going to have on this ancient story because we're still in a pandemic, you know, or what, how does it, how is Easter especially relevant in the midst of this pandemic? Maybe that's the question. But Matt, that's a, that's a great, great question. And I would answer that by saying, I encourage preachers of any generation to equate yourself with preachers who have preceded us, Hmm. but also with the history of the church. Hmm. For instance, there was a previous pandemic in 1918, 1919, around that time. There's an African-American preacher. His last name is Grimke, G-R-I-M-K-E. I've heard of him. Okay. He does this thing 
preaching and he preached through yes. that pandemic, pastoring a Presbyterian church in the nation's capital. But Matt, but Matt, here's the thing. Now, come on. Grimke and his contemporaries went through that pandemic for a year, which means they missed Easter too. Yes. And they did it without the internet and without Facebook and mm. without media and without being able to do YouTube or without being able to broadcast their, their services. They had none of that. When I understand history, think about the fourth or fifth Resurrection Sunday in the history of the church mm. and where the church was. Think about the persecution the early church went through before Constantine made it the religion of the state. Think of what the writer of Hebrews talks about, them being torn asunder, fed to lions. Think about what, think about their resurrection Sunday. Yeah. When they gathered in caves and in homes and in secret. Think about the persecuted church today. Yeah. Well, I think I think if we get some historical perspective and a broader lens, we'll stop crying in our milk and boohooing over a little inconvenience. Yeah. Let's grow up. <laughs> we still we I'm reaching more people now than yeah. ever. I, I just I want to just shake my friends and my brothers and sisters and say, y'all buck up, not stop it. Look, God has given us so many resources to still get the message out. Amen. Wow. That is why you're a bishop. You, are, you speak with the authority of a bishop because you are a bishop. That is, that is a great word. Now, we didn't, I didn't plan on asking this question. So in terms of the, the black church, do you feel like in, in terms of like preaching through suffering and preaching through hard times, I feel like you have a, you have a message, you have a message to, especially maybe to the white church, you know? Yes, sir. Let me recommend a couple of books. Um, sure. One of them by Dr. Sandy F. Ray. It was published posthumously. Hmm. Uh, it didn't come out till after he passed. He passed interestingly, around Easter time uh, when yeah. he passed away. And the title of that book is Journey Through a Jungle. Hmm. And it's a compilation of his sermons. Another book is by a dear friend of mine, Dr. H. Beecher Hicks, Jr., who's pastor emeritus of Metropolitan Baptist Church in D.C. And Henry has two books out, one of them Preaching Through a Storm, mm. the other Preaching While Bleeding is wow. his newest book. And the reason why I bring those books up is because each of them speak to what is often the experience of African-American proclaimers of the word. Yeah, We help our people journey through a jungle. Mm. We find ourselves preaching through storms. And many times we have to preach while bleeding, wow. while hurting ourselves, while we ourselves are hurting. And so I think the African-American pulpit, by virtue of the people in our pews, have a message that is perhaps 
different from our white brothers and sisters, just simply out of necessity hmm. because of the uniqueness of our journey and our struggle. Yeah, and that's that's a beautiful gift and uh, what we would call a charism, you know? Yes, sir. So the African-American Church in America, and I'm thinking of also my really good friends and ministry partners in Jos, Nigeria. Yes, sir. Also uh, going through a lot of persecution, a lot of yes, sir. And it's and preaching through that. I love that preaching through bleeding, preaching while you're bleeding. Yes, that's, sir. That's a really graphic, powerful image. Yes, yeah. Sir. Well, thank yes, you. Sir. Thank you for that word. So assuming you do get an influx of people who may not be regular churchgoers, people that may not be believers, how do you, do you do anything different in your preaching to be cognizant of them? That's a good question. Yes and no. Yeah. And I know it, it, that sounds like I'm trying to have it both ways, but nope, it's a good answer. Yeah. Be, be, here's why, Brother Matt. And again, it goes back to our philosophy and theology of preaching. Mm. And I think. Well, I, I want, can I say this and it won't be misinterpreted? We will not misinterpret anything. You All say. right. Nobody. Will. I think I think sometimes we put too much focus on making the word relevant. Yes. As if that's my responsibility. The word is relevant. If it the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of the Lord abides forever. Isaiah. This this man by the name of Jesus, I don't know if you ever heard of him, but this man by the name of Jesus, heaven and earth will pass away before one jot or tittle. That is like the end of the of yeah. the comma point. One jot or tittle of my word shall fail. I don't know what else I need to make me realize the word is relevant. My job, our job, is to preach it. Hmm. That's the problem. We're doing everything but preaching the word, so we're trying to make what is already relevant relevant, and we end up messing it up. So, wow. so here's what happens. This is a crude illustration, but it's the best I got in the morning. <laughs> it's like a chef preparing a meal seasoned properly, exquisitely, appropriately, puts it on a plate, serves it, and the first thing the eater does is shake more salt on it. Doesn't mm. even taste to see. And that, which is biblical, taste and see that the Lord is good. Doesn't <laughs> even taste to see, and in effect ruins the meal huh. by adding their stuff to it. Uh, and I think that's what we do with preaching. We're so busy trying to curry favor and gather a crowd and be contemporary and appear to be so intellectual that the meal has been prepared and all we have to do is serve it, but we're around shaking stuff in it, trying to add to it, and we end up taking away from it. That is really powerful. I don't think... Anybody will misinterpret that. That's a really good word. You and I were talking about going to Gibson's Steakhouse in yes, Chicago, sir. right? Next time you're in Chicago. So next time I'm there, you what, and me. When we were talking about that before we got on the podcast, I immediately started thinking, you know what I do with a steak? 
I take out some Heinz 57 and I put the Heinz 57 on there, you know? And, yes, <laughs> and that's an I'm insult guilty. to the cook because if a steak is prepared well, yes. it needs nothing. Right. But to be consumed. So we are the waiter. We are not the oh, chef. We're not the chef. We're not the chef. We are the mailman or the male woman. Yeah. We didn't write the letter. We deliver the letter. Oh. <laughs> so, Kelsey, jot this down. We got a third podcast with the bishop now. <laughs> we, got, we got another one. <laughs> oh. oh, man. We'll just have a – we'll have a Bishop Tim Clark podcast. <laughs> yes, I would love to. <laughs> you got a lot of great stuff. I love this. Thank you. So, let me ask you one last question. I know you're, you're mentoring a lot of preachers and we've touched on a lot of things here. You've touched on a lot of things already, but any other advice or encouragement that you would give to your fellow preachers out there and um, the couple, few thousand, two, three, four, five thousand people that will be listening to this podcast eventually? Any, any preaching advice? Looking back now on 42 years, soon 43 years of preaching, Pastoring. I started preaching in 74, started pastoring in 78. I would say to preachers of any generation, three things. First of all, focus on your relationship with God. Mm. Man, there's no, but Matt, you know this, there is no substitute for a vibrant relationship with God. My daily prayer is, Lord, let my walk with you be personal, warm, real, vibrant, fresh, and alive. I don't want it stale and stodgy. I don't want it to become so programmed that I miss out on the majesty. So first of all, focus on your your walk with God. Secondly, Make your family a priority. Mm, wow. Thirdly, yeah. feed yourself before mm. you try to feed anyone else. And then find your voice mm. and vision that God has. In fact, find your voice, find your vocation. The Catholics call it vocatis. Yeah. Find your voice, find your vocation. Find the vision that God has for you. That's what I would say. That is really beautiful. You know, you, you are not only, I, I just got to say, you're an encourager. And I have just learned today, you, you're, a, you're profound. You're a deep thinker and just super concise. And just like I can tell, you've, you've been thinking and praying and wrestling with these things for a long time. And yes. you got them honed. They're, Praise the Lord. So praise the Lord. Hey, what were those, what were those six things again that we should, uh, you said those six things uh, that you pray. Yes, sir. Yeah. That I pray all the time. Lord, yeah. let my walk with you yeah. be personal, warm, real, vibrant, fresh, and alive. Wow. I don't want to be stale and stodgy, formalistic, programmed, robotic. I want, sinew. I want blood. I want mm. pulsating life. The older I get, I want 
I want to cross that line, man, with my heart beating and the blood pumping and my walk with God more real than when I was a boy preacher. Ah, that is so, that is soul stirring, my friend. That really stirs me really like that. Bishop Tim, it has been a delight. It's been a pleasure. It's been instructive. It's been encouraging. It's been motivating. I just, I really want to thank you for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks to our brother, Pastor Lawrence Aker III, for connecting us. I believe it's a God thing. Yes. And I look forward again. I am a, I am a disciple and an evangelist of Monday MMP. I tell <laughs> folk, all, I tell preachers, listen to Monday morning preaching. I love it. Uh, what you bring yeah. uh, and what you do is, is a blessing to the body through blessing the preacher pastor. Mm. Because the church is blessed as we get strengthened. Uh, we are we are so honored to have some small part in God's kingdom work. So thank you, Amen. thank you for that word of encouragement. Well, Amen. Bishop, again, God bless you, your family, your church family, your ministry, you. Easter preaching, and and let me just say, preachers, just ask the Lord uh, this this Easter season. I love this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I wrote this down. Let's ask the Lord together. Lord, let our walk with you be personal warm, real, vibrant, fresh, and alive. Yes, sir. As we enter into the yes, Holy sir. Week and the Easter preaching. A- Amen. Amen. Well, Amen. Tim, we're going to talk love to you, you soon. Okay? Look forward to it. Okay, I love you, brother. I look forward to it. Be blessed. Thank okay. you and Kelsey both.